So before we get started today, I figured I should let you know that this episode is going to deal with sexual assault. So if you would rather skip this one, I will understand. So welcome to the Cognitive Bias Podcast. I'm your host, David Dylan Thomas. Today we're going to talk about... Uh, I... It's called the Just World Hypothesis, and I gotta tell you, it is probably the cognitive bias I actually have the most hatred for. Um, it'll become clear why shortly. So, the Just World Hypothesis is kind of, you know, summed up by this Bertrand Russell quote. Um, the world is full of injustice, and those who profit by injustice are in a position to administer rewards and punishments. The rewards go to those who invent ingenious justifications for inequality. The punishments to those who try to remedy it. Um, so that is probably one of the more cynical takes on this um, bias. But at the end of the day, it is a bias where you believe that the moral will be the moral people, people who are moral, will be rewarded, and the immoral will be punished. Right. So if something bad happens to somebody, they must have deserved it. Right. They must have done something wrong. That's the only reason something bad happened to them. And as we all know, right, uh, bad things happen to good people all the time, right? But this, it's this illusion that we live in a meritocracy. And it's kind of similar to the system justification theory we talked about last week where people who are not privileged will tend to blame themselves <laughs> and, like, turn on each other um, because they have to somehow justify, well, why am I in this terrible position? Um, but it's this notion that we, you know, in fact, live in the best of all possible worlds, that, right, that punishment is being doled out, you know, uh, in a justified way. And it results in, we, it results in us blaming victims for their suffering. I think that's why I hate this particular bias so much because it is such an unfair and cruel, so much unfair and cruel behavior comes out of it. Um, so you see people blaming rape victims, right, or blaming the poor or blaming the sick. Um, AIDS victims in particular, right, feel the brunt of this because of the narratives around AIDS victims deserving, right, what has happened to them because of the populations that were disproportionately affected by it. Weirdly, cancer is exempt from that particular <laughs> um, sickness bias, right? Like, for some reason, nobody ever blames anyone for getting cancer, but just about any other illness you can think of, uh, it's like, it somehow must be your fault, right? And I find this, you know, this is especially pernicious in America because America is built on the notion that you can be whatever you want to be, right? That that your who you were born to does not determine your fate, right? Luck is not a factor, right? So on the one hand, that's great because it means anybody can be anything, right? And it's sort of, you know, it, it's this freedom. But the, the, the flip side of that is, oh, everything is now also your fault, right? If no circumstance can hold you back, well, then if you're poor, it must be your fault. If you're sick, it must be your fault, right? And we will do nothing. America should do nothing to help you. We should do nothing to help each other um, because of that, right? Uh, or no law or policy, right, should help you because, well, you can pull you up by your own bootstraps. And if you're poor, it, you must be lazy. It must be your fault because we live in a just world. That's the danger, you know, of the hypothesis. And you can also see it in sort of like theories around how the market works, right? So this notion of, you know, the market will decide and the market will create the best possible society. Because again, right, if it's a good idea, it'll succeed. If it fails, right, um, it was a bad idea, right? That's why, I, you know, businesses fail or succeed is, is based on merit, which again, anyone who's lived a day knows that's completely not true. There's all sorts of, you know, unfair shit that goes on and systemic shit that goes on that completely negates that. Um, and it's why things like, you know, universal basic income, for example, is such a hard sell, right? Because it kind of goes against the just world hypothesis. It sort of suggests that, well, everyone kind of deserves some basic, 
you know, amenities, uh, when in fact the just rolled hypothesis says, oh, you know, if you are comfortable, it's because you earned it, right? And if you're uncomfortable, you did something to make yourself that way. Or if you have food and water, right, you did something to earn that food and water. If you don't, well, you must not deserve it. You must have done something to be too lazy or morally unfit to deserve to live, right? Have the basic needs. Um, now, what's interesting is, you know, uh, not surprisingly, you know, you, you find this very prevalent in religion, and interestingly, lots of religions, right? Not just Christianity or the, sort of the Judaic religions, but overall, there is this just world hypothesis that pervades lots and lots and lots of religions worldwide. Now, I happen to come from a, a very Christian background and sort of, you know, I've, you know, read the Bible cover to cover and very familiar with it, and I find it, you know, amusing that you know, Christianity is so wrapped up in the just world hypothesis because there's actually quotes from the Bible that I think are really, really um, trenchant and true that go against it. Um, so in particular, there's um, a line that uh, basically in talking about like humanities, like goodness, like uh, there is no one good, not no, not one. Like that's a phrase that's in there. It's like, look, if you want to believe in the just world hypothesis, that's going to be a problem for you because we all deserve bad things to happen to us, right? It's almost this original sin kind of approach to it, right? Um, and then I think even more kind of eloquent is uh, a line from Ecclesiastes, um, which is about the closest I think the Bible comes to existentialism, if you ever want to take a read. But uh, it's this quote from uh, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 9, verse 11. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all, right? This is a line from the Bible that basically justifies luck. It says, look, bad shit happens to people. Uh, who don't deserve it. Good shit happens to people who don't deserve it. Like, that is the world we live in. Um, so I just, I don't know, whenever I see, like, Christianity aligned with or pitched as the sort of just world hypothesis thing, I'm like, are you really reading it, you know? Um, I want to talk for a minute about a guy named Melvin Lerner, who was one of the first people to really dig into this um, hypothesis. He was a um, social psychologist working in the 60s. And he was really interested in this question of, like, how do cruel societies persist, right? How do authoritarian regimes and these societies that treat, treat their people so poorly, how do they persist? How do the people who are being treated poorly actually buy into those societies and, and perpetuate them? And um, I think, uh, like, I, I can kind of feel them, right? Like, even today, you ask yourself, how do people, how do we justify, like, separating families at the border? Because we do, right? You talk to people who are cool with that, and they're like, look, the family shouldn't have come here in the first place, right? It's terrible they got separated and all, and the children are crying. But, hey, they shouldn't have come here. If they had just stayed where they are, none of this would have happened, right? They find a way to blame the victim for something horrible happening. So uh, Lerner was really interested in societies that can, you know, perpetuate really cruel behavior. And he was also looking at his colleagues, right, and how they were treating the mentally ill. Um, and they were treating them poorly and blaming them for being mentally ill, right? And he was like, what is going on here? Um, and so his study sort of revealed, you know, some interesting things like the fact that we can know, right? We can say um, that someone was rewarded at random. We can, like, have an experiment where it's like, okay, we're going to choose a bunch of people over here, and you're going to witness them basically based on a coin toss, right? <laughs> you know, these people are going to get the reward. These other people don't get the reward simply based on random chance. And you'll witness that. You'll know that that's why they got rewarded that way. And you'll still like the people who got rewarded better, right? You will still think that they deserved it, right? Um, even though it was literally random. Um, so we put a lot of faith in this in this hypothesis. Um, and this next, this next one just, like, crushes me. So one of the experiments he did was he took... Um, 
72 female subjects, and they each witnessed other women um, being given what they thought were electric shocks. And um, so it was similar, in fact, inspired a bit by Milgram's experiments with electric shocks. And basically, he was trying to find out how they would react to this. And at first, the first few times that a subject would watch a woman be shocked, like, they would be very upset. But after they watched it enough times and they knew there was nothing they could do to intervene, they started to blame the woman being shocked. And they started to talk shit about her, right? They started to, in psychological terms, derogate her, you know, derogatory. Like, they would talk. They would they blame her for what was happening to her, and in fact, um, the uh, the longer it went on, the worse it got. The more the more they would blame her. And interestingly, you know, when they were told that the victims were compensated for being shocked, um, they didn't talk shit about them. Um, but this is upsetting for many reasons. But I think sort of what makes it feel more um, universal and basic just as a, a human need um, and therefore more frightening is the fact that this wasn't like a man blaming a woman for being victimized, right? Or a white person blaming a black person for being the victim of something. Like we've seen that. But this was women looking at other women being victimized and blaming them and in fact blaming them more the longer it went on. Um, and it makes me think that as gendered and, and racially, you know, tinged as a lot of this is, it is fundamental to humans to do this to each other. Um, which is, of course, not ideal. So, um, Lerner wrote a monograph in 1980 called The Belief in a Just World, a Fundamental Delusion. Um, that kind of summed a lot of his findings up. Um, I'll link to it in the uh, show notes on our Facebook page. Um... And he sort of basically said, okay, look, we're faced with this notion of an unjust world. Like, how do we deal with that? And he said there are, like, rational strategies, which may be something like accepting that the reality of injustice, this is a thing. Or try to prevent injustice or try to provide restitution, right? Or accept your own limitations, right? Which all, you know, to me seem like good kind of valuable ways to live and be in the world. The non-rational strategies, which, as we all know, we're pretty non-rational creatures, include denial, right, withdrawal, right, you reinterpret the event to blame the victim, and that's where we are. Like, that's why societally this is a really, really terrible kind of bias. Um, Linda Carley um, did some research around um, just world hypothesis, specifically around um, sexual assault. And she created this narrative uh, about a man and a woman. And at the end of uh, the narrative for the control group, there was just a neutral ending. For the other group, the narrative ended with the man raping the woman. And in that narrative, even though the actions that led up to the end of the story was the same, the woman would be blamed for being raped. Um... Uh, by the the people who heard that ending. In fact, they they, they they determined that it was inevitable, right, based on her behavior. Even though behavior in the other story was completely the same. And, you know, we'll find that in studies, you know, the battered woman will get blamed as well. And in fact, the more intimate the relationship between the man and the woman in that scenario, the more the woman gets blamed. And in uh, rape, 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 rape victims will even blame themselves, right? That's how deeply rooted this bias is and how terrible it is in particular when it comes to sexual assault. And I think that a lot of this bias gets back to something we've been talking about a lot on this podcast, which is this idea of when we look at others, um, we have difficulty thinking about circumstance as contributing to what happens to them, right? It goes back to the fundamental attribution error and some other things we've talked about um, in that realm. And 
it's very difficult for us to um, do anything but look at the victim's behavior. If so, or when something bad happens to somebody, look at their behavior and say, well, that must be the reason that this is happening, or their morality. They must be a bad person. That's why this is happening. This is simply an extension of that into a whole philosophy around how the world works. Um, and it gives us a sense of control, right? Like if good behavior can lead to good outcomes and bad behavior can lead to bad outcomes, well, I can control my behavior, right? And I can determine my destiny, right? Um, if being good or being bad or whatever you do doesn't matter, doesn't affect the outcome, you know, a bad thing can happen to you even if you do everything right. Well, what kind of world is that? Like, how do I, you know, center myself in that world? How should I behave, right? It makes it very difficult to, to operate. Um, you know, we need, we crave predictability and certainty and an unjust world, right, where anything can happen to you regardless of your behavior gives us no predictability, gives us no certainty, right? So it's understandable that we would want to believe in a just world. And in fact, belief in an unjust world is not necessarily healthy. It's correlated with criminal behavior, among other things. Um, and it's, you know, there's some degree to... Um, where psychologists will term this uh, a quote-unquote positive illusion, like it is, in fact, correlated with mental health. It's necessary for mental health. It gives us meaning. It gives the world meaning. So it's very hard to completely, you know, divorce ourselves from it and still live and function. Now, the interesting thing about that, though, is that living and functioning bit really focuses more on having a just world hypothesis for ourselves, right? That our own moral actions will lead to good outcomes. When you start to apply that to others, that's when it starts to get bad for society, right? That's when you start to vote for policies that will basically, you know, disenfranchise people or not give people support for things like, you know, health, safety, all these things that you might say, well, if they can't take care of themselves, why should the state take care of them, right? Um, and it then, you know, blinds us to systemic things, right? Systemic um, uh, gender bias, systemic um, racial bias, right? Systemic, you know, these things that are actually, you know, the circumstances that surround poverty, right? Um, these things that are the circumstances that make it more common for black people to be shot by the police, for women to be raped, for all of these things to happen, Um if you just think that, oh, the only way that's ever going to happen to somebody is if they do something bad. Like the phrase, oh, if you live a good life, you've got nothing to worry about. Or when like a, a weird, um, somebody wants to put cameras everywhere. And you say, well, it's okay. If you, if, you, if you obey the law, you have nothing to worry about, right? It's this notion of your behavior is the only thing that's going to result in one outcome or another. When in fact, there are these systems in place that have been, you know, growing over years and years and years and years. Um, that have way more impact on what happens to you than your own personal behavior. Um, so it's really hard to see that, you know, if you're just focused on individual behavior, which is exactly what the Just World Hypothesis encourages you to do. Now, there's some um, weird variation here when it comes to things like bullying. For some reason, you would expect in bullying the victim to be blamed. In fact, when it comes to bullying, people are pretty staunchly anti-bully. And one of the theories behind that is... Um, they blame the bully because uh, the bully is victimizing a child, and when you victimize a child, that's a really that really grates against like our notions of what justice is. That like no, there there is no situation where the kid deserves what's happening. Um, it needs to be um, that needs to be shifted to the bully. Uh, so that's one of those weird weird quirks about it. Um, and 
Another thing is that uh, you remember how Lerner was like studying authoritarianism when he kind of you know decided he wanted to look into this this hypothesis. As it happens, authoritarianism and kind of belief in authoritarianism is uh, correlated with belief in in, in just world hypothesis. Um, and also Puritan work ethic is also um, correlated with that, which is, again, not surprising, right? You sort of like systems that sort of punish bad behavior and reward good behavior with the notion that that is, in fact, the thing that, you know, that, that aligns with your worldview. Um, so they've looked uh, cross-culturally at, um, you know, uh, from in terms of ethnicity, in terms of gender, right? Do people still believe in it? And as we mentioned before, like women and men pretty solidly believe in just world hypothesis, you know, about the same. The one place it starts to break down, maybe not surprisingly, is that blacks and African Americans have the least belief <laughs> in the just world hypothesis, right? <laughs> and I'm kind of reminded of a great skit on um, Saturday Night Live back uh, when uh, Trump won the election. And it's basically election night. And a bunch of, you know, white liberal friends are watching the election results pour in and are shocked and horrified more and more as the night goes on. But then Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle play two black characters watching the same thing in the back of the room, just nodding their heads and completely unsurprised by the results, right? Um, so, story checks out. Um, Another sort of cross-cultural thing is that uh, across cultures, across countries, uh, people tend to believe in the um, just world hypothesis. Where you see it diminished a little, though, is in countries where the vast majority of the population is, in fact, subjugated, right? Where the vast majority of the population has no control, right, over their fate. There tends to be less of a belief in the, the just world hypothesis because they've just been given way too much evidence that it's bullshit. Um, and I will cop to it myself. Um, when there was an incident in Philadelphia earlier this year where um, two black gentlemen were arrested, right? Not just kicked out of a Starbucks, but arrested at a Starbucks basically for loitering, basically for not ordering, you know, anything. And, like, the, the person behind the counter got nervous because there were two black guys who were just waiting for their white friend. <laughs> um, I called the cops, and the cops straight up arrested them, right? Uh on the one hand, this was like this terrible, you know, racially motivated overreaction, one of many of just existing while black, being punished for existing while black. But I have to admit, my initial reaction was, this is why I always buy something whenever I'm in a place where I have to wait for somebody, right? I always, the first thing, if I have to wait for, because I get coffee with people all the damn time. And I will guarantee you, if I show up early, I'm going to buy coffee for this very reason, and my first thought was, oh, they should have bought coffee, which is a terrible reaction, right? They did not deserve to get arrested for not buying coffee, right? <laughs> but that was my reaction, right? Um, like, it's a little combo of, you know, um, systemic injustice, you know, uh, justific systemic uh, justification and, um, and uh, uh, just world hypothesis, right? So even I, like, who studies this stuff, am completely vulnerable to it. Um, so anyway... This is, you know, like I said, my most hated <laughs> cognitive bias um, because of how unjust it makes the world or how it perpetuates kind of injustice in the world. So do your best to find it and fight it and think about how to, you know, if it makes yourself healthier to think about your own actions and wanting to be good and moral because you believe good outcomes come from that, that's fine. Just don't apply it to other people. Just don't assume for other people that their outcomes are purely based on their behavior because we end up perpetuating a lot of heinous shit when we do. 
Uh, for the Cognitive Bias, that is all for this week. I'm your host, David Dolan Thomas. We will talk next time. Thanks.